and welcome back to One of Us is a Filmmaker. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, everyone? I've realised we do very similar, like, sounds when we do the opening. Yeah. You always I've go, done... hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Maybe it's a comfort level it's, thing. Uh, actually, I just want to be Lemony Snicket. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? In the Lemony Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Like, hello, <gasps> so they, hello, you know hello. how I was, you know how I was talking about last week. If there's a line from a film, and I use it in my normal life, or if I hear someone say the word, I'll just use the quote. Yeah. There's one from Lemony Snicket, which I always do, which is um, watermelon surprise. I don't know why <laughs> it's just stuck with me. So when he's is looking, that from? he's like looking at ice lollies in like the shop shack before the train's gonna go hit the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that is good. For some reason, I always say that. It's a, that's a weird film. Maybe one for a future movie throwback. Who knows? Potentially. We're not doing that today. No, that's not our movie throwback. No, it's not. We are not doing that many things. What we are doing is Little Miss Sunshine. Woohoo! Woohoo! It's a good film. Nice indie film. Is this, is this the first indie that we've done? I guess the, uh, would the Goonies be classed as an indie? Not, I guess. Oh. Trying to think what studio is behind it. Uh, maybe, possibly, yeah. This is definitely an indie film. And we're, trying, we're appealing to those more uh, avid film goers, I suppose. Uh, with this one. Yes, this is what we did in between season one and season two. Me and Orion have decided that we're going to, you know, on the movie throwbacks, go go a bit more niche at times, mm-hmm. and take a few more risks, introduce you filmmaker lovers out there to films you might not have seen. Fear not, guys. We'll retain the big bangers as well. So, uh... <laughs> I mean, we just had Disney, like, all over yeah. that episode, so <laughs> yeah. that, that's absolutely fine. And mm-hmm. we've got some exciting other big franchises we yeah. will look at this season indeed. But it's important to highlight those films which are, you know, whether they're indie or niche or whatever, because I don't want to just sit here and go, hey, all the things we watched when we were kids were big Hollywood blockbusters. You know, Mm. we did watch other stuff and it's important to highlight them. And otherwise, you're just going to miss out some really good films. And also as a filmmaker, I'm mostly going to be making these like small indie movies. So... It'd be nice to think that there's an audience out there. You should plug your film. Plug yeah, your I mean, I haven't really got anything to plug right now, but... Well, you future. can check out something on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a short film on YouTube called Catch a Butcher. Mm-hmm. You can watch that on Alter on YouTube, mm-hmm. or just search Catch a Butcher. You'll find it somewhere. Yeah. Or just look at me on Instagram, and you'll find a link to something or somewhere. Yeah. If you really want to see it, you can find it. Yeah, don't, don't feel weird about plugging it. I just do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a horror film. It's a weird, surreal horror my yeah. favourite. That's my genre, really. You do seem weird. to like horror. It's a bit weird. What? Not weird. Mm. It's actually very normal. But uh, <laughs> it, no, it's strange because for me, I guess, not weird in general that someone likes doing horror films. But what I found weird was I was surprised that's the direction you went in mm. with your start, storytelling and narrative stuff. So, yeah, it really interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I tend to lean towards horror, but also like thriller like fantasy elements i think i don't like very defined genre stuff Mm. i like stuff that is a bit more blended and i'd say my stuff is like that so my horror if you watch catch a butcher on youtube you'll see it's not maybe a typical horror Mm -hmm. it's quite artistic and pushing the convention well there you go exactly or avoiding the conventions, you might say, as well so yeah that's that's where my interests lie and little miss sunshine is not Oh, oh, right, definitely not, definitely not. 
Definitely. Not a horror at all. It's literally very funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that comedy drama and it, it really walks that fine balance, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Do you want to give a little plug of what what is the story of Little Miss Sunshine for those who haven't watched it? So what it's about is about this family who is fairly dysfunctional and they're called the Hoovers. I love it. it. And essentially they travel across the country, across America, when they realise their daughter, Olive, she's got a place in a beauty pageant Mm. for Little Miss... Oh, what's it called? Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, Little Miss Sunshine, yeah. <laughs> what's it called? I mean, I was, what's the name of the movie? <laughs> I was watching that episode of Friends when they have the their late Thanksgiving and it's the Little Miss Darling. So I just had that in oh, my head. No, no, no. Little Miss Sunshine, Little which Miss makes Sunshine, sense yeah. with the title of the film. Yeah. And it's really a road trip movie. It is a road. It's a hundred percent a road trip. movie. They're in this yellow RV, like Volkswagen Beetle. What, the, what you know? Whatever those Volkswagen classic vans are, yeah, not Beatles, but they're, they're yeah. the classic like sixties van vibes. You know, and it's yellow and yeah, <laughs> it's got the great bit where they, they can't stop the horn honking. It's yeah. Like, yeah, 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 and they can't get it into first gear. Yeah, they always so they have, have to run to and push, push it. it and run it. And then when they hit slopes, they're like, oh yeah, woo. yeah. It's um, <laughs> that's the main picture of the poster is them all running and trying to push this yellow RV yeah. and that's what's quite iconic and that's if you're not sure you've heard of the film you might have seen that image mm-hmm. when the film's coming out yeah. um, but really it's, it's about the family dynamics and it's about them all battling with this sense of loss of achievement really mm-hmm. you know it's about the American dream and this family struggling to fulfill their own desires, but then, but yet, even though they're all very dysfunctional people, they are all rallying around their child, and you can be non-perfect people, yeah, but still be good parents. I think that's what's really um, amazing about Little Miss Sunshine is, like, and you've hit the nail on the head. It's about dysfunction, but it, it's it's how all these different characters that are in the family are all dysfunctional in their own different ways Mm -hmm. but as you said they're all rallying around to the same goal and the same cause so what you see playing out is like everyone having their own little um freak outs yeah (laughs) their own different freak outs in there and their own different insecurities and difficulties but it's not like one of them is not having it it's like they're all having it but simultaneously but differently and then it all kind of culminates in this like nice togetherness Mm -hmm. and i think i always feel like some of my favourite films are just ones that explore family dynamics. Yeah. You know, because really it's it's a universal subject. You know, it's it's something that pretty much anyone around the world will understand. Yeah. A family dynamic story. And, and you're right, it also, Little Miss Sunshine captures that American dream, like that so many people believe in this, you know, possibility of, you know, being an American sweetheart, American darling, or living up to this, like, capitalist dream. Like, the so the father, his whole plot is premised on the fact that he's about to make this big business deal, and it's... There are winners, and there are losers. Yeah, and he's got this... Are you a winner or a loser? He's so, like... Um, intense diametric in his thinking. He's Very binary. Like, yeah, yeah, binary, like, win or lose. And, and that comes across... And it's like seeps into the whole family and mm. sort of everyone becomes like, he, he's just disdained by everyone, like, yeah. you know, for it. Yeah. I, I Well, let's quickly just go over the characters so people yes, know. let's do it. So we have the figureheads of the family. We have the mother and the father. Mm-hmm. We've got the father called Richard Hoover, and that's played by Greg Kinnear. And yeah, he's totally... 
it's coming up with this program of how to be the best self you can be. You've got to think like a winner and it's like a 12-step program to becoming a winner, as he calls yourself. Then it's bounced out by Cheryl Hoover, his wife, who's played by Tony Collette. Yeah. The casting, as a side note on this, is like on I was point. I was about to say we'll the casting. Yeah, we'll get um, it. And she's a stay-at-home suburban mum, but you can see that, you know, she orders like buckets of fried chicken and, you know, there's this inference <laughs> that she, you know, isn't in settling into that typical role even though that's kind of all we see her as yeah. if that makes sense it's quite it's quite it's quite a strong archetype um to counter against the an american narrative as well because there is such a strong you know stay-at-home mum like character in american society mm. and you're right it's like the thing about ordering buckets of chicken usually the mum would stay and cook these big meals and, and all that the house would be perfect yeah the house would be perfect and all that and it's actually not like, no, exactly. <laughs> it's just like not like that yeah and then you have the two children so you so you have Dwayne Hoover who is played by Paul Dano and what an actor yeah I love honestly. Paul Dano he is great but let's see casting's yeah great. we'll talk about casting in a little bit more. um he played by Paul Dano, and he's a teenager. He really wants to go off and go to flight school, so he's decided he's going to be mute till he achieves that dream, basically. Yeah, so he's he's referencing um, or living by the philosophies of Nietzsche. There you go. The philosopher is what his, his kind of overarching philosophy has become. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have his sister, Olive, who's played by Abigail Breslin, the brilliant as Abigail Breslin. She's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, that character's called Olive Hoover, and she's typical happy-go-lucky kid and she really wants to obviously become this uh, beauty pageant queen mm-hmm. and it kicks off the whole story and olive's really good as well because we spoke about this i guess a little bit in the uh, matilda episode specifically about mara wilson but i'm actually talking about the, a character now and so olive is is actually just a normal kid mm. you know i mean so many times there's this weird thing where kids have to like act or look older than they actually are Mm. and you know they have to be perfectly you know i don't know skinny or whatever Mm. Uh, i was just a normal kid yeah and that's a really nice thing i think that's the whole point of the film yeah exactly because so essentially on the road trip it's leading to this beauty pageant that olive participates in Mm -hmm. and it's actually it's just scary how in contrast, Olive, all these kids are, like, made up and doled up like, like dolls. Like glam, like... Yeah, but that's actually what they're like. And yeah, they were yeah. all real beauty pageant contestants. They weren't actors. They literally just used beauty pageant kids. Wow. Instead of, you know, casting and getting their own makeup teams to do it. They literally just used... That's sufficient. Yeah, it was, sufficient. It was a very... <laughs> cheap, standpoint. <laughs> it was a very tight budget, you know. It was yeah. a very tight budget. So yeah. it was sort of scrimp and scram. But actually, that's, like, more horrifying in a way that it's actually... Poor kids are like forced to do this and cake themselves and all that and yeah you know but that that's why Little Miss Sunshine is so good. It is such a strong critique of basically this is a I mean this is quite a broad term but it is a strong critique of a lot of American society yeah in, in the way that you know there's this sort of overconfidence of America. There's also this um, I mean. I'm speaking quite drastically, but, you know, overconfidence, this desire to win, this competitiveness Mm. that's there, um, and just sort of the lack of empathy for anyone that's not... other. Yeah, anyone that's other. It's the lack of empathy for anyone that's other. And it's just, it really hits that. 
It does. You know? I'll keep going with the characters in yeah. the family. So we have Frank Ginsberg, who is Tony Collette's character, the mum's brother, yeah. played by Steve Carell. And he's just... Um, Funny as heck. <laughs> but he's just come out of um, a psych ward because he tried to commit suicide. Um, he's a very intelligent professor. He's going through some heartbreak. Um, he's also gay and, yeah, again, struggling with life, with what it means to be your own person, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final family member is the grandfather, um, Edwin Hoover. So mm-hmm. it's actually the dad's dad. Mm-hmm. And that's played by Alan Arkin. Yeah. And he's just a man. Uh, like, he doesn't care what people think. He's he's doing loads of drugs. It's like and... kooky old grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> he's very kooky. <laughs> Every night it's the chicken. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And he's the one who's like coaching Olive, the daughter, through her dance moves and, you know, trying to prep her and get her ready. Yeah, for he's the done the routine. He's got everything together. He's picked the music. He's done all that. Exactly, which you find out at the end is just iconic. Yeah, I mean, it's just great. <laughs> so um, good. Yeah. Um, so that's your little roundup. So if people haven't seen the film, hopefully you have an understanding of the overarching storyline and these characters. And like we mentioned, they're all struggling to achieve something yeah. and their sense of who they are, their identity and how this ambition will f- fulfil them is brought into question the whole mm-hmm. film. And I feel like now we do need to actually talk about the casting. Yes. It's now a time because... It's on point, people. The, the casting is 10 out of 10. Really on point. And and this was... I don't know if this was... I'm specifically going to mention Paul Dano because I don't know if this was his breakout role. It, it, it was, it, it was. This was, It was, yeah. And it was 2006 the film yeah. came out. Yeah. Casting his first big thing. Mm-hmm. Also, interestingly, so Steve Carell was cast and he wasn't yet um, a big star. So no, the producers no. were trying to fire him actually because they were worried that he wasn't a big enough name for the role. Really? But in between filming this, it coming out at Sundance and then doing well, basically The Office came out as did 40-Year-Old Virgin. Obviously, he's the and lead. they both did amazingly well. They did huge. Yeah. Uh, he was cemented as a big star, and then the producers were like, oh, let's get him to do all the press. Let's get him to do the marketing. Like, come on, come on. Let's get him, let's get him. Uh, uh, Steve Carell's just like, yeah. Because it literally, they were, gonna, they were trying to cast other people for his role. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who they were trying to cast? No, I don't, actually. Let me know. Who, who, who we got on the... So, the first choice to play Frank, Steve Carell's character, was Bill Murray. Okay. Just, you know, it could have worked. I feel like there would have been more of a significant age, seemed like a more of an age difference between yeah. Tony Collette and him. Yeah. Uh, Steve Carell's surely a fair bit younger than Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. The second choice casting was actually my fave, Robin Williams. Interesting. Who, again, I think would have been on like, the older side. Yeah. Or the brother. So I think Bill Murray and... Um... Ron Williams. Williams would have had different issues with the role from my perspective in the sense mm. that I think although Robin Williams can do those really down-to-earth and really serious roles as we've seen in many things I actually think there's a potential that he might <clears throat> not have been able to bring sort of a realism that Steve Carell brings I think I'm not saying that there wouldn't have been like a I was going to say, use the word gravity. I think he understands how to bring gravitas to the role, but I think Steve Carell really, like, he 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 plays that line of, you know, yes, he's just tried to commit suicide, but actually he's still functional. He's still operating, like, as a, you know, 
what we might say is normally in society in a social situation so i think he pulls that off really really well steve crow mm. you know i also think bill murray would have been a bit too sarky for the role but yeah. you know but steve crow plays it very straight like it's not mm. like he's trying to be funny he's that's just, what i mean yeah yeah and i i think Robin williams definitely could have done it because i think Robin williams i mean Robin williams can, can do it. i yeah i'm just saying more more the point more really is steve carell did such an amazing job with it yeah and does. and it's it's almost in stark contrast because a lot of the time throughout the film he's the one that's like be saying to the dad like can you just shut up like what are you actually <laughs> it's chatting the bit about where like... <laughs> it's like the dad's driving the car and he's having it like a spar off with frank exactly. Steve character and he's like that's how a loser thinks he's like really me a loser <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it's really good i mean i also want to mention paul dano i mean people might I don't know how well people know Paul Dano, but he's been in two really big films lately, which is um, The Batman. He was the Joker in The Batman. And then he also did um, the... Oh, what's that Steven Spielberg one that just came out recently? About filmmaking and stuff like that. He plays the dad in that film. Oh, yeah, The Fablemans. But, yeah, The Fablemans, that's it. Basically, in Little Miss Sunshine as well, he is amazing. He's uh, very, like, enigmatic. And also, he's done so many great, really meaty roles. But he was in 12 Years a Slave... As oh, was some he? supporting character, yeah. I don't even remember him in 12 And then he so. was in the film There Will Be Blood. Mm -hmm. Really intense role for him in that. He was in Swiss Army Man, the one who carries across um, Daniel Radcliffe's like, farting body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just has a really diverse portfolio of films. Yeah, and yeah. as an actor, this would be such a great role to start with because it's that dark humour, but there's a lot of emotional... Undertone. Undertone, and mm. there's a really big expressive emotional moment he obviously goes through in the film, which we'll talk about. And as an actor, I think you just show off a great range within mm. this role, and it's, you know, set him up to do really well. And then he's also a director now, so he directed his first film. I'm glad. Uh, a few I mean, years ago. I, he's got like a really good eye for characters and a yeah. really good eye for blocking of what characters should be doing and how they should be interacting and moving. And that comes across just in his portrayals. So I can imagine as a director, he would really be able to see yeah. things really well. The film he directed is called Wildlife. It came out in 2018. Yeah. And I heard it was really good. I actually haven't seen it. No, I'll watch it for sure. I want to watch that. Yeah, um, let us know anyone if you've seen Wildlife. And yes. We should get, get on that. Yeah. I mean, he's, for me, Paul Dano is, is the epitome of, um, I mentioned... I believe it was in the Hugh Grant episode where it's it's that it's that balance between overacting and 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 great acting where a lot of people see overacting and they think oh yeah. this is really emotional really expressive but actually what Paul Dano is really good at is being more subtle subtlety and expression through less yeah you know he's really good at that and I feel like you would have learned a lot you know, this is one of your first roles. How exciting to be working with Greg Kinnear, Tony, Tony Collette. <laughs> yeah, big stuff. Amazing actors who, again, have always... Both of those actors, they've never been the big blockbuster bring the money person in, but, oh, my God, have they worked and done so many films with huge directors, but they've never fallen into typecast, really, or, you know, saying becoming, like, celebrities and that becoming their, like, cultness about them. I always feel like you know, those two... Uh, actors collecting it's it's they're, they're kind of those things where like you might not know the name but then when you see their face you're like oh i've seen them in this i've seen them in this i know there's so many films yeah they? it's literally they're, they're literally there you know they're everywhere tony yeah. collette is so great very underrated mm -hmm. and 
you know, there's a, a multitude list of huge, of like actors that you think, why on earth haven't they won any major award before? Because, wow, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. And she's yeah. one of those. And then talking about casting still, Abigail Breslin. Mm. Again, like Mara Wilson, she was in so many films of that, like, Naughty's time yeah, so she yeah. was in Raising Helen My Sister's Keeper yep. you know she's actually did a big variety of roles and she was always really good at the emotional stuff mm-hmm. and like capturing it and making it feel very real she's rather great. than she's such a good actress yeah. and it, it hasn't quite it could have been a personal choice or just the material that's been offered for her but it hasn't quite evolved into a great adult career career or filmography but that totally could be by choice she's done some interesting projects that i feel like she's picked but whether it's that she's trying to she's just you know staying out of the limelight a bit or just she's she's struggling to get certain roles i don't know what it is well, but, the, I mean, but she's not been in anything bad it's well, just interesting I mean, the, that the, the last thing i feel like i remember her being in i didn't even watch it but i remember seeing her i believe it was in that like screen queens what? Not that, but that was supposed to be kind of good. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah I think that's supposed to be I was, I was thinking um, that, like, my neighbour's film. I don't know, there's, like, causing a house party in the, mm. in the neighbour's house and then there's this whole thing. Like, it was, it was basically just, like, a, a, a silly movie. Mm. And I hadn't seen her in anything else, so I was of the impression that she... And I, as you said, I'm not, I'm not judging or anything, but, like, you know, it seems like she kind of stopped doing those actually good character-focused films and just sort of did whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's true because obviously she did Scream Queens, Scream Queens, and yeah, I heard Scream Queens was good, and I did want to watch that actually. Yeah, she's a great actress, and I I really want to see her in things. So if maybe I'm just like also not looking in the right places. Maybe she's doing a ton of like indie stuff that I just haven't heard of, or she maybe she is focusing more on TV now, which a lot of actors do because yeah. they're making great work and it's you get a lot more money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the variety of her filmography as a kid, I haven't seen that sort of translate yet into adulthood. Right. But again, that might be by choice, might be just circumstance, might be she's doing stuff and I just haven't heard of it. So um, she's like, a great actress and it'd be really cool to see what she is doing now. She, I always felt like she was kind of, maybe for you as well, she always felt to me like an actress I grew up with. Mm, yeah. And I mean, like, literally, age-wise, I felt like I grew up the same time as she yeah. did. I was like of, that with Dakota Fanning. I was like she that was with Elle Fanning. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I, I have a lot of nostalgia for Dakota Fanning's films when she was younger. Mm. But actually, I realised I was kind of growing up the same age as Elle Fanning. And then, it, yeah, so I feel like that with Abigail Breslin as well. And then Abigail Breslin was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this role, for an Oscar. I'm not surprised. She's great. Somebody else was nominated for a Supporting Actor Oscar in this film and won. Do you know who that is? It wasn't Alan Arkin, was it? It was, yeah. It was for the granddad, yeah. yeah he won a... for best supporting actor. Wow. And casting wise, Alan Arkin's great. He's great in everything he does as well. Yeah. Again, to be able to work with a tie-in like that in terms of an actor who's been around for a long time, yeah. done a lot of great roles. And I think it's really nice and telling when these really big actors that want to take roles in these smaller films because they have <laughs> such little money, and it's like. You have belief in that filmmaker, you know, the writer. It was his first big script he'd ever written and then the director as well. Mm-hmm. It's like people having trust and faith in you, in the project and your talent. That must be really amazing. And it shows that those actors who are really famous or successful, that they really care about the craft and, you know, supporting yeah. the younger talent I mean, so, coming up. I mean, realistically, you know, we it, it's a difficult thing because 
you, you will often see actors in these big Hollywood roles and just be like, oh, okay, they're just doing it for, for the money. But mm. realistically, even those actors and actresses that are up there mm-hmm. doing those big films, a lot of it comes from a sense and a place of they just want to make good films and they yeah. want to they want to understand what good acting is and they really want to pursue the projects they want to do. Mm. A lot of the time, yes, the money is a nice benefit, of course, to acting. But realistically, people want to do good projects, don't they? I mean, you don't want to be in rubbish your whole life. You want yeah, to do exactly. good projects. And I'm not surprised Alan Larkin won. I mean, he plays the kooky old grandpa hilariously. Um, you mentioned already, but the relationship, obviously, between Edwin and Olive, mm-hmm. uh, the grandpa and Olive, is really, really touching. Yeah. In a way. It is. I also realised I haven't mentioned who the directors of the film are. Oh, goodness. So it's directed by yes. two people, um, Valerie Farris and Jonathan Dayton. Yeah. So they were the directors. And then Matthew Arndt, Ardent or Arndt, how you pronounce his last name, uh, was the screenwriter. Apparently he was personal assistant to Matthew Broderick. Had to, Broderick? Huh? had to quit his job when he got um, the money to write the script. He was like, well, I'm going to do this now. Uh, <laughs> but that's nice. Yeah. If you get a 40 grand, you know, check to write a film, you're like, bye. <laughs> see I mean, that's a good year's salary. Yeah. So I could... mean, that's low paid in film as well. well exactly. I don't even know if that's what you was paid, but that's just an example of a fee you might get paid to, to write a feature, you yeah. know. And you're saying he got 40 grand for this script? No, no, I don't know oh, what he oh, got. Right, I was just right, saying... Right. That's a ballpark figure yeah, you yeah. might throw out there for an indie film script, uh, low budget sort of. That's still quite a lot, I thought. I mean, that's, right. I know it's, as you say, it's not a lot, but I mean, from yes, uh, from, from a, a normal human perspective, from a non, yeah, that's a nice amount of money. Yeah, from forty grand is pretty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it depends. Obviously, as a writer, you might write really quickly, so you know, doesn't seem bang like out a couple. Yeah, exactly, yeah. or you know. It might take you a long time and, and the money has lasted you longer. Mm-hmm. Also, it depends on the amount of drafts. You you might get that fee for the script and they get extra mm-hmm. for revisions and things like that. Um, I'm a very fast writer. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there now so everyone knows. I can bang out a script in a week, two weeks. That's me. That's a nice sales pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, it's because... Uh, Valerie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for another guy. <laughs> a couple of appearances from people like in the film, from people like Brian Cranston, Dean mm-hmm. Norris. Yeah, he plays the person that Greg and his character is trying to get the money from to yeah. start off this business. Stan? <laughs> yeah. Stan he's like constantly just saying, Stan? Stan Grossman? Yeah. Like he's waiting for a call from Stan Grossman for the whole film. But I want to go back to what you were saying about the dynamic between Olive and the granddad. Yes. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the most heartbreaking scenes of cinema Ever. Yeah, this is rough. I know what you're going to say. I think I know what you're going to say. Well, my favourite scenes in any movie ever is in this film, and it's when Olive's in bed and her granddad's sitting opposite her, and she's worried about the pageant, saying, what if I lose? And, oh no, so she says, am I beautiful? And he's Mm. like, yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, Why are you worried? And she's like, oh, because what if I lose the pageant? And then she says, Daddy hates losers. And she literally starts crying. Her eyes well up. It's such a great piece of acting from Abigail Breslin. It's amazing. And then the granddad says a line, which is one of my favourite lines ever. He's like, no, I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your brains or personality. It's because you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favourite scenes. And such a great dialogue. (laughs) It is really funny dialogue. I remember, so I watched Little Miss Sunshine about three weeks ago now. And I I remember watching that scene thinking, wow, this is a really powerful scene. And that line just made me chuckle so much. Because I was just like, it's so poignant. 
in a way like yeah. it, it just really it's almost a, a critique but almost an endorsement of like the way people think as well because mm. it's like you could take beautiful as like face value and be like oh you are just pretty yeah. and he's like trying to tell her how pretty she is but he also means you are a beautiful person yeah yeah you know so it's just really it's not because of your brains or personality yeah. <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> so funny and uh, yeah that relationship is really great and i think you get these pockets of really strong relationships that evolve in the film so it's her and his relationship i think frank and the son's relationship is really lovely dwayne's relationship is really nice yeah they 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 have almost almost like a kinship yeah like an understanding that comes through yeah and i think dwayne sees that frank is sort of the only person that understands him in a way yeah he doesn't he doesn't find that understanding from his dad well stepdad i think it's inferred in the script that dwayne is um, from another marriage right it's a son from another marriage so he's technically uh, olive's half brother and then it's not really explained so but. i mentioned briefly that so Dwayne, his philosophy kind of comes from frederick nietzsche and he's taken this vow of silence like you said but i think what the reason a reason for the kinship kind of developing is that frank steve carell's character he's this very successful professor mm. who's kind of fallen off the rails yeah. because of this whole relationship that fell apart and mm. his partner left him for someone else and all that but i think it's that idea that like because frank is this scholar is this philosopher in a way himself Dwayne is able to get him to understand what he's doing mm. you know but actually having said that the early on in the like very early on in the film where they're at the table eating dinner um the mum says you know cheryl says oh we're really supportive and proud of Dwayne for mm-hmm. taking this vow of silence you know and like she's actually quite supportive of it yeah and she understands what he's doing it's almost like it's only the dad that is so like he, he can't wrap his head around what's going on and he thinks he's a loser because he's not you know doing what the dad wants him to do you know yeah so you're right it's like these pockets of relationships and i think tony collette and uh greg kinnear's uh, their relationship is so tumultuous throughout the whole thing and it's almost like the family's on a knife's edge because you're unsure like their relationship is on a knife's edge yeah you know and yeah, that filters through yeah it's because greg kinnear's character uh what's it called sorry richard he as as we've said he's, he's waiting for this business deal but actually this business deal isn't is, a thing <laughs> well it's not a thing but it, it's it's important to the family because they, they need the money they need the money mm-hmm. and and there's this yeah it, it's there's so much tension throughout the film but it's not tense in a way where the audience feels tense it's it's, it's tense in a way that the audience is relating to and empathizing with their struggle and their problems mm-hmm. you know yeah so who is your favorite character out of all who's my favorite character Oof. so hard uh I actually really like um, Frank, which mm. is Steve Carell's character. Mm. So Frank, I think he's just played it so well. Yeah. And I wonder if it hadn't been played so well, would it be my favourite character? Sure. But I think what is so great about his character is that this man has just tried to commit suicide and then comes out and is actually like the most normal of the bunch. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, he absolutely is. It's just really like a funny like switch up. Um, and I think it's really great re- representation as well, you know, because mm. he's a gay man and they don't play on stereotypes or he's really flamboyant or, you know, they don't play yeah. up this, that he's a threat to Richard, which could have been a really easy stereotypical line to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's very, like, not macho or manly, but he's very, like, 
he sees things very black and white, I suppose, the dad. It's, and a, you can it's imagine a masculine him, interpretation of life. I yeah, exactly. Think. Exactly. Yeah. Like the alpha male sort of yeah, got, like, exactly. power hungry. Yeah. And that is a line they could have explicitly gone down, and I'm glad they didn't. Mm. They've, they've got so much nuance and so much appreciation for issues and understanding of issues yeah they don't they and don't just fall. writing characters as the characters and not playing into overly playing into stereotypes yeah it's like they all in their roles but their their roles don't overtake their identity of who they actually are it's, it's really interesting as again i know we keep hopping on about it but it's like steve carell um frank's character they do such a good job because yes you're right he doesn't have those he doesn't have stereotypical campness or anything. He doesn't fall victim to th- those kind of tropes. Yeah. But actually, the gay, the failed gay relationship is a massive like part of his character and oh, storyline yeah, sure. in the film. Of course, of course. So they navigate that balance really, really well, I think. Yeah. It's very sweet when they're talking about it at the start um, around the dinner table and Frank's talking about why he tried to kill himself because he's saying, oh, someone who I loved didn't love me back. Yeah. And Olive was like, him you fell in love with the boy yeah and then frank's like very much so and she's like that's silly and he's like it was silly it's very, <laughs> <laughs> very sweet yeah yeah it's, it's like such innocence from her character but mm. at the same time such an understanding and i think it's really a really great message to send to kids like i'm always a proponent of giving kids the respect that they deserve so how him back to the matilda episode yeah it's it honestly i think it's huge i think it's really important that anyone in any creative media gives kids respect and dignity and i think olive has that in the sense Mm. that she's naive and innocent because she's like oh that's silly but she's not so into that mindset or she's not so naive that she doesn't understand sort of the dynamics around her. Well, and also it doesn't change how she approaches Frank as a person. Exactly. She's not like, oh, gross, disgusting, I'm not going to talk to you. Exactly. It's, oh, I didn't know that. That sounds funny because I've not heard of it it's before. It's like a curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I said, it doesn't affect her relationship with him in any way. Exactly. Yeah, I think my favourite character probably is Olive. Mm. I think I, I was older when I watched this, so I didn't necessarily relate to her, but I just thought she was very well written, really great acting as we've we've talked about but also you know she represents the innocence and everything and it's ironic how you know we as girls we're sort of conditioned to want to be beautiful and pretty and skinny and all these things Mm -hmm. and you see her navigating that like the scene when at the diner and she wants to get ice cream and her dad's like, Olive, do you think those girls at the pageant are going to be eating mm. ice cream? There's a lot of calories. That is, that's, and for then, me, that's kind of a heartbreaking and then, scene. Yeah, well. and so she's like, doesn't want it. And then everybody else is like, mmm, so delicious. <laughs> she's like, no, I have it. Yeah. And she's they, like, they will help her like realise, like, don't listen to him. You know, exactly. like, just do your own thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and like, you see that happen so often with her being upset about being pretty and about... Um, you know, as she goes to the pageant being scared and nervous and everything and just the way she looks completely different to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I so, I went through and still do often, you go through those things because you're like, everyone's telling me I should be skinny, I should be pretty, I should be all these things and I'm not hitting whatever that expectation is. Um, and then seeing her go through it is is like, even though I wasn't that age, I remember being that age and thinking those things. And actually, as women, we still go through that a lot, mm. often all the time anyway. Yeah. So it's very, it's very like viscerally emotional for me, I that think... film and her journey through it. And then it's really interesting at the end when she obviously goes to this pageant and is 
obviously totally different. And, <laughs> That's you know, to say the least. <laughs> and then she does her performance. And, you know, I think what she realises is as long as you have family and people around you that you trust and you feel confident in your own identity, you don't need to look like all these other girls. It doesn't matter if, you know, people think you're strange or whatever. Mm. <laughs> Doing the dance, but super freak. She's a great fit. Is like that scene is directed so well, and she's like running around the stage, tries guys trying to grab her off, and then her dad goes on to get her off, and then he just starts doing the, uh, <laughs> the yeah. elbow thing. We're, we're both dancing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was. I mean, I was gonna ask, like, what are your thoughts from a director's point of view on on how it's directed and like uh, just different scenes and stuff throughout the film? What do you think? It's really. It actually gives me very much a um, Richard Linklater vibe. The film. Mm. I think it's, it's bringing out those performances that don't feel hammy in any way at all. What do you mean by hammy? Like overactive oh, or over emotional, okay. heightened emotions. Okay. Like obviously those things come in, mm-hmm. like when Dwayne freaks out when he realizes he's not going to be a pilot. Yeah. But it's not self indulgent. Right. He just lets the characters experience it, and it's not like oh, close up of the tear and you know dramatic music rising. It's like you're just presenting these people right. as the flawed humans they are going through their their mess. Like I, I love watching films where I feel like there's an authenticity. Yeah, and that's what the filmmakers are really great at capturing. Mm. And everything's... It feels very natural. Mm-hmm. And from a directing point of view, it, that's why I think it's very enjoyable. Because it, it's a slice of life. But a little bit... A uh... little bit cheekiness <laughs> in it. A little bit of human humour and things. And I think yeah. that's when great drama is done well, is because it has the humorous edges to it because yeah. life is just ridiculous and I mean, funny I'm just remembering the scene and uh, spoilers right just on the scene in case anyone wants to go and watch it so don't pay attention to this but so the grandfather dies mm. um, just before the, the pageant actually and they're all kind of in a bit of a like oh my god how do we process this information of him dying and like deal with our emotions but we've got to get a move on and get to the pageant <laughs> and so the dad is worried about the fees of like transporting the dead body back to their state mm. and so then go for burial so they just take the body out of the hospital and just put him in the back of the van yeah it's just so like it's so like ridiculous but so like believable believable at the same time and i think that's what the film is really really good at is having this super heightened super ridiculous unlikely scenario but just being like well it's in the context of this family and it makes so much sense yeah you know? as i said the way they direct the actors is for it to all be very real and you know how would you actually respond to it mm. rather than being super over the top or mm. laughing hysterically crying hysterically whatever you know yeah. it's, it's treated very very naturally Everything about it is very well designed. Feels very all American. Yeah, you know the, the iconography of like the the car and the even the house. It's got that sort of like seventies bungalowy mm. feel, and we've been in a lot of houses like that in Wisconsin. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like I identify very strongly with that. I mean, obviously, there's lots of good British European world independent cinema, but. American independent cinema I particularly have an appreciation for because often it's criticising Hollywood and it's criticising American values. And Mm. I think my life, I've also felt that way. I've also always felt like I, for some reason, so strongly identify with American values, but at the same time, I criticise them so strongly as well. And, And it's a weird thing that I struggle with, just sort of that back and forth. And I love when, like, films like these like little miss sunshine 
kind of tackle those same issues. Yeah. I really feel like I un- I really feel like I completely understand what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And and I love it when they do it in a really authentic and nice way. I mean, so do you have a favorite scene? Do you have a favorite moment or something that sticks out to you? I think I've I've already said, man, I think. It's the one in the hotel that's, room. That's your favourite. That's one of my favourites. Okay. I, I wanted to talk about this because we haven't mentioned it as well. There's um, Dwayne's character. Uh, he wants to be a pilot and he's taken this vow of silence until he can become a pilot, basically. And there's this really heartbreaking scene when they're on the road and Olive is doing a, a colour stencil thing mm-hmm. in a book and she has to figure out... It's almost like a paint-by-numbers and she gives it to Dwayne, and she asks Dwayne to um, she asks Dwayne to try and do it, and he can't do it. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is Frank takes a look, Steve Carell's character, and says, "Oh, yeah, you, I think you're colorblind." And then Frank takes a pause, and realizes what this means, and he says to Dwayne, "You can't be a pilot if you're colorblind." Mm-hmm. And what happens is, Dwayne just freaks out like has a massive meltdown in the car they stop the car and he runs out and screams and goes to the floor and he's just broken his vow of silence because this is so painful Mm. like his entire dream uh, like his dream and his entire reason almost reason for existence at this point because he hates his family he doesn't want to be part of this dysfunctional life he wants to escape but that's now taken away from him Mm -hmm. and i just think one the acting is so fantastic two the dynamics between him and olive when Olive goes over to him to help him is amazing. And I just, yeah, that is such a powerful scene. I have it so clear in my head. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And it is those, even though all the characters, like we're saying, are so dysfunctional, it's these moments where the characters really do support and rally around each other, even Mm -hmm. if they don't necessarily agree with what they're doing or... They're so hyper-aware. And you wouldn't think it, considering they've been built to be these dysfunctional characters, but actually they're aware, they're human, they're... They empathise. That's like every family in real life. Like, exactly. every family is a mess. <laughs> yeah. Because people are messy. <laughs> yeah. We're confusing and not perfect by any means. Mm. And it's like, even at the end when Dwayne and uh, Frank have basically decided they don't want Olive to do the competition. Mm-hmm. And the mum's like, but she wants to do it, so we're going to support her. Yeah. We've come all the way here, and if Olive wants to do it, she's doing it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And Olive makes the decision that she does want to do. I actually find... She wants to dedicate it to her grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dedicate my grandpa, who's in our trunk. <laughs> yeah. So the we've been making a lot of references, but we haven't said explicitly, and I won't say it completely, but the ending performance in the pageant is not what one would expect from a pageant. And, uh, <laughs> Super freak. Yeah. Super freak. But you know what? Actually, I rewatched. Um, about a boy recently and I'm noticing a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. Little Sunshine and About a Boy it walks the line of that drama and then like the dark comedy yeah it, it does that and then also the also with Tony Collette in it yeah exactly I mean Tony Collette fantastic in both by the way um, what an actress and but it's just the sort of ending scenes as well mm. where there's you know the kid is putting on a performance that really some of the characters think I don't know if they should be doing that. But yeah. then they go on stage and support her and they they reconnect as a family. Yeah. You know, and they, both the message in both of the films is kind of together is better than being alone. Yeah. You know, being a family, even a dysfunctional one, and working towards something better is more desirable and will benefit you so much more than just staying 
a loner and separate yes. from you know family. And I think that's that's really demonstrated by the final picture you have of the film where they're all just in the car driving away, yeah. the horn blaring, and they're all just together, sitting there quietly happy. Well, not yeah. super happy, but necessarily, but they're all together. The image of them as a unit, yeah, driving off. It's a, back it's down a the road. strength. It's a strength in, in yeah. their family now. And yeah, and it's got really good music. It's got the kind of like um that like drum noise the in the like the main themes and things mm. like you feel like it's pushing forward the music everything's just great man it is great I mean, if you haven't seen it i think you should watch it i think it's a good one for a sunday afternoon that's what i feel like yeah it's not an intense watch either we have, no. i mean it's just chuck it on like yeah. pay attention obviously but like <laughs> it's it's not one that is going to be even with all these moments that we've said and, and emotions and scenes, it's not so difficult to watch. It's very approachable. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if we saw this in the movie theatre or if we watched it. I don't DVD. remember seeing it in the theatre. I remember watching it a lot later DVD. after it came out on well, Yeah, DVD. we had it on DVD. And I'm just trying to remember who sparked it because I don't think I went to see it in the cinema. So whether our sister got it or our mum got it. Well, whoever did, I mean... Yeah, thanks. Stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing it into our lives. Yeah. No, I like it. I like I like doing these more indie throwbacks. Yeah. We're going to continue to do them, for sure. I mean, we... we We've got we, another one ready for next time. I'm excited as well. About one that. of my favourite films. Yeah. Like, all-time favourite films. <laughs> Again, we're exploring all your favourite films. Yeah, well... That's what can stuff. you do? <laughs> <laughs> one of us is a filmmaker, let's see. That's me. Yeah. That's me. But, um, yeah... Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, all about Little Miss Sunshine. Fantastic film. Go see it if you haven't. And spread the love to indie films because they need the love right now. Go see them in the cinema. Go buy them. Just watch them. And, uh, yeah. I second all that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's coming from the filmmaker. So exactly. exactly. Excellent. Uh, make sure you, like, check out our socials. You can catch up on all the episodes everywhere on all platforms. <laughs> I thought you were going to say everywhere, everything, <laughs> everything everywhere all at once. What a film. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.